Hello, it's Peter Wright and Kathleen Beauvais in Ontario, Canada, with episode number 23 of the Yacking Podcast. And this is where we talk about life, business, and more, and we bring you tips and ideas for a changing world. And we have another interesting guest for you today, uh, a departure from our authors we've had recently, but somebody who's got a fascinating piece of equipment to talk to us about and very relevant for the times we're living in right now. But first, let me welcome my co-host, Kathleen. Uh, Hello, Kathleen. Hello, Peter. Uh, Welcome, everyone. As usual, we appreciate you tuning in. And um, we do have a very special guest with us today. His name is David Coughlin who has developed a water purification system is just absolute genius. And wait till you hear about this. So welcome, Dave. And uh, please go ahead and tell us more about you. Well, thank you, Peter and Kathleen, for inviting me. Um, I'm speaking to you from Portland, Oregon. Um, And on behalf of Day Zero Products, um, I'm a climate change researcher. Uh, by trade, and uh, two years ago, I was attending a a workshop uh, on what to do for safe water to drink after an earthquake um, or other emergency, and I heard uh, a water engineer talk about a device that he had invented for his family to use when they were in Uganda for a year. Mm -hmm. Um, one thing led to another. We became friends, and ultimately, uh, we decided that we would uh, try to make this invention uh, available to to uh, the public. So, I mean, this is just tell us tell us more about this water purification system because uh, I mean. We're going to put some your contact details at the end of this podcast as well as the video so that people can go ch- and, and check it out. But describe how it operates. It's, it's, it's handheld, it's by crank, or you can plug it in. But give us, just tell us a bit more about how it works. So the inventor who holds the patent on this device is Paul Bird. Uh, His day job is as a water engineer for an international engineering company. And so he uh, uh, specifies and designs and uh, installs industrial scale, municipal scale water treatment systems. Um, Many of those systems now, especially in Europe and the United States, use ultraviolet light, germicidal ultraviolet light to disinfect the water, the drinking water from viruses and bacteria and parasites which might otherwise make you sick. Sick. Um, so this industrial scale process is something he's very familiar with and what he did with his invention is to scale it down to the size that a single family can use it. So uh, our, our invention here, I'll hold one up. Yes, please. This is, this is a box about the size of a, oh, I don't know, a large lunch box or a small bread box. Um, oh, <laughs> my, my assistant here points out that this one doesn't have a crank, but inside there's a UV light bulb. Right. Um, and 
I don't have a crank model handy. All right. Um, the, uh, so what happens is uh, you take the box. If you don't have electrical power available, you turn, turn the hand crank for a minute, uh, one minute, one gallon. The box holds one gallon of water. And that's a, an adequate UV, germicidal UV dose to sanitize the water. It's the same dose that's used uh, generally by the industry in municipal systems. Right, very good. I, I have a bit of a farming background and um, certainly we've used some of those systems on uh, the inlet side of water used in both greenhouses and in packing sheds. So yeah, and it works very well. Um, it's become way more widespread in the United States since uh, about 2003, I think, when the EPA included UV treatment in their uh, rule, rules for municipal water treatment. Right. <clears throat> Something that will certainly interest our listeners before we get into more technical stuff is how you came up th with the name of Day Zero. That certainly intrigued me when I first read about it. Well, you're probably familiar with the day zero at what, in Cape Town two years ago or three years ago? Right. Uh, day zero was what, the date on which the city water system would be turned off. Um, they called it day zero. Fortunately for Cape Town, it didn't happen. Right. Um, but I, in further reading, I discovered that there are day zero events happening not just in Cape Town, but in... South America and in Asia and in India, uh, points in time at which the municipal water systems uh, run out of water because yes. of drought. Um, so our, uh, our product is for those times when you can't drink the water from the tap, either because there isn't any water or uh, because it's not safe to drink. It's been right. contaminated right. in some way or another. And but there it, are, uh, oh, go ahead, Peter. No, I was just going to say, Dave's quite right. It's still a huge problem in many parts of Africa. Mm -hmm. um, I lived in Rhodesia and in Zimbabwe and South Africa. My one son is in Zimbabwe, and they regularly, in the cities, uh, regularly have days when there is no municipal water supply, and they have to use either rainwater they've collected or, or mm -hmm. water they've stored. So, yeah. So, back so, to you, Kathy. Peter, I have a question for you. What, sure. You know, on those days... How does your uh, son and his family uh, treat the water that they collect from rainwater or from other, some other source than the tap? All right. So my son is fortunate. They're on a farm and they have what's called a borehole there, a well, as we would call it here. Um, but they, they don't uh, sterilize that water generally. If they are in the cities and they run out of water, they quite often use chlorine, the same as they would put in the swimming pool to sterilize the water. Uh -huh. And very often the swimming pool is their reservoir for drinking and washing water when municipal water is not available. But of course, the, the bulk of the population doesn't have access to swimming pools. So they are collecting water from streams or um, some terrible places. Yeah. And do you think the bulk of the population is using uh, chlorine? No, no. Uh, the bulk of the population are so poor, and especially with this virus thing, when they, they are really struggling to find anything to eat, uh, they, they are just drinking whatever water they can, or they're boiling it, which is the point you make on your website, that mm -hmm. I think you say you estimate 600 million people around the world are boiling water with uh, 
fire using some fuel which generates pollution, of course. So that is the situation there, very much so. Yes, and this uh, box was uh, really invented to uh, take the place of boiling water and to make it less necessary to, to burn uh, biomass fuels to um, prepare to treat water for drinking. Right, right. Kathleen, you had something there for Dave. Or Dave, are you planning to um, produce a system that has a like a filter? Um, we probably won't make a filter, but we may uh, make a filter available that's from some of the manufacturers. Uh, we so, haven't added that to the product line yet. Right. So, you know, your system, as we, as we mentioned, as you mentioned on your website about the 600 million people worldwide, and these are people that are in distress and can't access uh, purified or, you know, clean water to drink. But there's also another, another, uh, demographic, another another market for this, where you know people are wanting to prepare just just in case. So people that live in cities and and even North America, people, I think they call them preppers, mm -hmm. where they are seeking systems like yours and just you know just to keep that in case anything happens. You know, I have a river running behind my house. If anything happens, if I had your system, I could technically go and get myself some water out of the river and just and just use your system, correct? That's correct. And you put your finger on it. The Day Zero uh, product is uh, being marketed. We're just beginning to market it here in North America exactly for that purpose. For the preppers for uh, here in the Northwest, we anticipate uh, or we fear a very large earthquake. Um, and uh, so the idea of the product is to make uh, individual households and individual families more able to cope when a big disaster happens. But there is, in addition to that, um, another use as well. Um, in our own household here in Portland, uh, we use tap water, uh, which sometimes has low levels of cryptosporidium in it. Um, our Portland uh, Water Bureau is under a, a consent agreement to make people aware that they have uh, sometimes cryptosporidium and to fix the problem, but it's going to take some years to get it fixed. And in the meantime, uh, we use our water box every day um, to treat the water that we use for drinking and cooking. Um, now, I don't have to crank it uh, because we have uh, power available and I can just uh, plug in an AC adapter. Sure. There, there is another um, aspect to this. In, I was quite amazed when I came from Africa where we had wells, we always had great big overhead tanks and, and a lot of our houses ran on gravity. They didn't have a booster pump or a pressure pump in the basement like we do. So when I came to North America, to Canada and I, I'm living on a farm, and I discovered that the, you can't have an outside overhead tank because it will freeze. So the moment <laughs> the moment the power goes out, that's your water supply because you do you only have about enough water to flush two toilet two tanks of a toilet flush uh, in your pressure tank. And then when the power's gone, wow! And there's no pressure, you've got no water. So we store water in uh, buckets. We do have a generator now. But uh, very often that stored water has been there for some time or 
contaminated. So again, for a huge number of people, your your machine could be a lifesaver. Yes, again in the in the northwest here, uh, we're fortunate to have abundant water. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can always get water. It's not always safe to drink. That's the thing. Yeah, get it out of streams and rivers and ponds. Sure. Um, and if you can get it at all, you can make it at least more safe to drink by running it through a water box. Absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. And now that we have this pandemic, Dave, um, I'm, I'm reading on your website that this system can kill, or yeah, can can kill any viruses and bacteria. I mean, that's what it does, as well as the corona. Well, that's that's true. Um, there has been a good deal of publicity about using ultraviolet light to uh, decontaminate used uh, surgical masks and other personal protective equipment. Um, and in the beginning, there was uh, uh, little uh, knowledge about just how much UV it takes to do that. After uh, some some research, um, we. Uh, discovered that the doses that are being used by the medical professionals are uh, many times stronger than the doses that are used in treating water Mm -hmm. um, due to the nature of the materials um, and uh, the fact that solid materials uh, shade, uh, you know, UV light doesn't uh, pass through, uh, pass through, uh, the solid material that's used in personal protective equipment. So um, the water box, even though we've got it on our website at the moment as a, as a light box, a version of it as a light box, the doses that it produces are not uh, as strong as the doses used by hospitals and clinics to um, uh, decontaminate uh, material that they want to reuse. Mm-hmm. Um, in, very shortly, it'll come off of our website. Um, there's a considerable amount of uh, blog posting on the website about the research on this uh, topic. Um, uh, the other thing is that uh, coronavirus is not being spread through uh, water supplies. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the fact remains that the uh, specifications for the water box are using the industrial specifications for treatment of water. It just turns out that uh, sanitizing a, a smartphone or a surgical mask or um, other solid devices requires a different kind of dosing uh, that a, our water box is not really appropriate for. Right. right. Okay. Dave, can I ask you a question on on production? I know on your website you've got a couple of models of each uh, prototypes. Um, what, what's your your program for getting production going? Well, um, we have run two uh, small pilot runs. We're about to do a third pilot run, and we expect to have be in limited production um, by the end of June. Okay, good. The pilot I- run are intended to establish that we know how to build uh, a particular version of the model. And each time we do a pilot run, we add some improvements. Right, right. And and are, you, uh, are you looking for investors at the moment then, Dave? 
Um, we recognize that to um, scale this up as would be necessary if uh, we were to make use of it in Africa or uh, in Asia, uh, it will be necessary to have somebody um, come in who has the capital and the know-how that frankly uh, we lack. Um, and so yes, we're looking for a partner organization or a, a, a knowledgeable investor to, uh, to uh, help us with this venture. Okay. I think it's interesting that I'm going to throw in that I, I saw your machine, your, <clears throat> your picture of your machine on, uh, I can't remember exactly where, and then I think I found you on uh, Twitter, did I not? Or was it? Um, I think it was Twitter. Twitter, yeah. And we made contact there. And then I put a little bit on our blog, and we've had quite a few people reading about it on there. And I'm hoping that some of them have gone on to your own website. So again, the power of social media. Um, something that in our youth or from our generation was not even invented. <laughs> now yeah. we're, we're finding it's, it's spreading technology like your, your unit. It's quite amazing. Yes, Peter, you and I are in of the same generation, but you're ahead of me. It's not me that you found on Twitter. It's our web guy who is uh, Jonathan uh, Bailey, who is considerably younger than I am. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but I still find it it's good that um, we can get, we can pick up this information by the, you know, so, Absolutely. so, so it's really good. I'm going to ask you something from your perspective as a climate change scientist, and, and this is somewhat tongue in cheek. I, I'm concerned that, many of the advocates for protecting the environment and stopping pollution have got onto the use of masks and gloves bandwagon for the coronavirus. And I, I don't really want to open up the whole debate of how serious it is. As, as someone who's obviously really concerned about the environment, have you got any thoughts on that? Um, well, when I go out in the city where I live, I put on a mask. The mask is as much a symbol of uh, taking the uh, pandemic seriously mm -hmm. as it is a practical measure uh, for my protection or for the protection of people around me. The mask does protect the other people from, sure. uh, if, if I were to be a carrier, I'm not aware that I am, I hope I'm not. Um, but it also signals that uh, it's, um, you know, this is, this is not a matter to be taken lightly. No, I understand. Of course. Uh, if you're in Montana, it's a different thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, my, my concern is how quickly sentiment for want of a better term has switched from we, we must all do everything to protect the environment to yes, Corona's bad. So let's just use, um, stuff that might end up in landfills. It's an oh. attention thing. That's the point I'm trying to make. Is uh, okay. Well, I missed. I missed your point, Peter. I'm sorry. sorry. No, that's fine. Um, you know, there. Uh, first, you have to solve the problem that's right in front of you before you can solve the longer-term problem. True. 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 Yeah, I I got another question on water. When I lived in South Africa, and I left there a long time ago, uh, I know that the speculation was that the limiting factor for population growth in South Africa would be availability of water. And I seem to remember 
a figure of 60 million mentioned. And at that time, the population was in the 30 million range. It was under 40. I think it's closer to 50 now. Um, and that, that's, I think, also important for big parts of Africa. So anything that can make water more usable, like your machine, would certainly take some of the pressure off there, wouldn't it? Um, yes, and it, it enables, it empowers individual households to uh, look after themselves right. in, in places where the, the larger systems are not reliable. Yes, good point, good point. And then, <clears throat> Kathleen, have you got another question for Dave? I was just curious, Dave, do you, do you think that down the road, this technology that you're using um, will evolve not just about water, but it, with other different systems? And uh, do, do you have a comment on that? <clears throat> well, I think our current venture is focused on making uh, safe water. Mm -hmm. um, UV has other uses, of course, uh, ultraviolet technology does. Um, and there are other technologies that are, that are uh, germane to the problem of uh, making safe water, as you pointed out, with the filters. Um, I think we'll focus on water. Um, and uh, if the thing takes off, uh, I'll, I'll be happy with that. Actually, it's a question of when, not if. Uh, thank you. Yeah, I'm sure. I, yeah, I think this is a winner. I really, really well, do. Well, I appreciate you bringing, bringing me on your uh, podcast. Uh, I think that'll be a big help. We'll get you as much publicity as we can. And uh, this goes out to uh, our Twitter followers, LinkedIn, and we, we get quite a few, quite a lot of interest on our videos on LinkedIn and Facebook and that. So we will certainly do a bit. Um, you mentioned on your website again the company Aqua Aero. They, they do the big industrial scale ones, do they? Uh, it's an interesting how we ran across them. They have a product called a UV water box, ah. which, which was exactly the name that we first put on our product. Right. Their UV water box costs about uh, two thousand, two or three thousand dollars. It it includes solar panels. And it is adequate uh, for uh, more like a village scale than a household scale. Um, they are managed by a very friendly fella in, uh, uh, let's see, in a town, in a city in the Netherlands. Um, and he and I corresponded by email and, and concluded that uh, uh, we, <laughs> We, we could manage that my product was not a threat to his. And, uh, we adjusted the, the name of our website a little bit. Right, right. And it could be complimentary because people who, individual families who buy your unit in a village could get interested and then from there they could pick it up. So That's true. And if you look carefully at the footer on our website, there is a link to his website uh -huh. in the room. I followed that link, indeed, I did, yes, yes, yeah. Uh, carry on. No, you go, Kathy. I was just going to ask you if our viewers and listeners wanted to get a hold of you, how do they do that? Can you tell us your website address and your, your email or whatever contact details you'd like to give? Yes, the best uh, contact mechanism is the website. Okay. The uh, URL is uv dash h2o-box.com. So 
So UV-H2O-BOX.com. We used H2O instead of water, both yep. out of uh, deference to our friends in the Netherlands, and also because it's the uh, universal chemical symbol for water, uh, recognizable in languages other than English. Absolutely, absolutely. No, good idea. And we will certainly um, have that available for people who watch this video or listen to the podcast. Uh, they, they can make contact through your website. And uh, very good. Dave, any, any, we have about two minutes left. Any final words you would like to mention? Uh, fin final word I want to mention is a thank you to both of you, Peter and Kathleen, for uh, giving us a chance to talk about our water box. You, you are most welcome, and thank you for coming on. And we will stay in contact with you with great interest to, to follow the launch of your product and uh, as you increase production. And we will be mentioning it again on our Tiny Homes website and on our Facebook pages on an ongoing, because we see it as a real, as Kathleen said, really important addition for tiny homeowners. Kathleen, final words from you. I thank you so much, Dave, for joining us today. We really appreciate you and thank every, everyone out there for tuning in. Thanks, Thank Kathleen. You. And until next time, that's us. Bye.